Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, you know what's coming. I've got a question. Would you rather meet your great-great-grandparents or your great-great-grandchildren? Oh, man. So it's it's get a glimpse of where you came from. Yep. Or a glimpse of where, well, where somebody's going, right. <laughs> where, where, where things go after that. Okay. So, I, you know, there's like the history thing that's interesting to go back and find out, like, you know, it'd be interesting to, you know, hear what life was like for them and whatever. But at the same time, I feel like I'm way more curious about where things would go. Like, it, I feel like I would probably spend all my time being like, tell me about the future. Like, I probably wouldn't care. <laughs> you know, like, I would I would want to know about them, but I'd really be like, all right, I need to know what happens with this, what happens with that. And I'd be tempted to do a Back to the Future 2 and find out, like, all right, who won this thing that you would bet on? You know what I mean? Like, it's like Biff with his sports almanac. <laughs> but, no, I think I'd probably meet uh, my great-great-grandchildren, see what they were like, you know, what happened to them, what their faith was like, what they were into. What what aspects of me and Michelle kind of, you know, stuck with them, that sort of thing. Mm. I'd be curious. So which way did you just go? I, I'd want to meet my great-great-grandchildren. Okay. This is a great, great question. <laughs> and it assumes, by the way, that you can't do these things naturally. They're very... I've met my great-grandparents. Well, you well, one great, great, one great, right? One great. Oh, yeah, I haven't two met greats my great-great-grandparents. Really okay, yeah, Two, two greats true. are really hard. So part of my answer I can't answer right now because I would have to do the math calculations on what time frame that would put me in because that's part of my answer is just visiting that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great grandchildren. So grandchildren, great grandchildren. Nah, I don't, I don't want to see what happens. <laughs> no. no. Are you worried? No. I want to I go back in time. Yeah. Mine would be great great grandparents. Um, I didn't really get a chance to like know my grandparents really really well. Um, some of them died before I was born, so it'd be nice to to get a little bit of history, see what they were like. So I just I just did the math. I'm thinking, like when my kids are old enough to have kids, and if their kids had kids at an average age, and so on. I think this puts us at like the year 2100, somewhere in that range of time. So. 75, 85 years from now? That's, that seems too close. No, that's, that's, that's probably about right. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere between 60 and... Yeah, that's about right. But you, so you guys both went backwards. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't want to see the future, that. man. Wow. That was not what I expected. I, thought, I felt like it was an obvious answer. It's like... You, gotta you did? Know. Yeah. Some, sometimes I think, well, you know, more people are going to pick the future one. Like, it just seems like it's, you're more curious. I, I already know some things about the past. I know nothing about the future. I think for me, uh, the future could be a scary place. So I'd rather go back in the past and just learn. Not really have any, not really know what, what where things went. <laughs> I, think, I think this is my logic. I fully embrace the we are just passing through mentality. Like, yeah. we are aliens and strangers. Uh, when I'm out of here, I want to be out of here. Like new heavens, new earth. You I, I don't want to see the future of this place. I just want to be to yeah. the future place. <laughs> Eric's out. That's it. 
All right, Clayton, what are we talking about today? All right, we are going to be in Matthew 26. This is actually the last podcast we're doing in the book of Matthew. Uh, We have been taking a long journey over the course of the summer, both in our sermon schedule and uh, in the reading schedule on the podcast here doing Matthew. So that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Here at Bible Savvy, our goal is to help people understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. If you're not using the Bible Savvy reading schedule, your Bible reading just doesn't count. (laughs) Okay, obviously that isn't true. We think the Bible Savvy schedule is pretty good, and we pretty much have to say that because Clayton created it. The comma method can be used with any Bible reading plan. Having a plan is a good thing, and there's lots of good plans out there. But if you want to read along with what we're discussing each week here on the podcast, visit BibleSavvy.com and download the schedule. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Wow. The, the, the last couple of weeks. This is amazing. I got picked <laughs> on tips. last week. Wow. You got picked on this week. Great. Yeah, uh, I'm intentionally taking shots. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. No, that's fun. Okay. That's good. Um, all right, so uh, we are going to be in Matthew 26. Uh, this is in the last week. Well, it's actually the last night of Jesus's life. So uh, we're going to see what he went through uh, before he was crucified. We're going to read in verse 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. All right, let's talk about the O in comma, which is observation. This is where we see and notice details that will help us make a message later on in the process. What do you see? There's lots of prayer happening. Um, well, from one of them. One of them. That's very true. Lots of sleep happening from the others. Very true. Lots of prayer, lots of sleep. I see, looking at repeating words and phrases, sorrowful, troubled, overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot of distress in this passage. Yeah, that's the first thing that stuck out to me is that Jesus fully knew and understood what was coming. And it reminds me of the passage that says, the joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like he saw all of that and still went in that direction. Yeah, it's interesting to think of that and see this scene, you know what I mean? Where you say, I I know that he knew the good that was coming and wanted that, but man, was it 
he's he's wrestling with you know so it's it's the my will your will my will your will there's that repeated word of that where he he is saying i know what the right thing is and he wants it but there's another part of him that doesn't want it and that's that's a, that's a tricky thing when you think about jesus you sort of think of, i imagine him as like he just always knows what the right thing is he's aimed at the right thing unlike me he's not divided right but in this case he's looking at what he has to do and there was a part of him, perhaps just the natural human self-preservation part of him, that says, uh-uh, that, uh, if I could avoid that, I want to avoid that. And yet he also knows, no, God's will is the, is the, the better way. And if that's how it's got to go, that's the right thing. Um, that's a, I don't know, there's something, there's something challenging about that. I, I find it freeing because I, I mm. think there have been times in my life where I have thought to myself, I should be stronger than this. Like, I shouldn't be looking at this circumstance that I know I need to walk through or this season I need to walk through. I should just have more faith and be stronger by now that it shouldn't bother me this much. Yeah, there's, there's, that, there's that feeling of like, if, if this is hard for me, I must be less than godly or less than obedient yes. because I'm having a hard time yes. with it. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah, see yeah, Jesus yeah. praying in the mm-hmm. garden, and I don't think he was equivocating. I think he was being real about the pain he was about to endure. Yeah. And who would want, like, you don't just sign up for that pain unless there's a reason for it. Yeah. So for me, it's it's freeing to be fully human, to say, no, of course I wouldn't sign up for pain, like, just for pain's sake. What does equivocating mean? <laughs> he just said, like, a $100 word right big there. Words, big yeah. words on the Bible's every podcast today. It's amazing. He wasn't about to bail. Got it. That's, that was a really good word. Um, for me, I, uh, yeah, I, I've latched onto this idea of watch and pray. Stay here and keep watch with me. Um, what were they watching for? You know, like to me, oh, what were they watching for? And then he says, uh, so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the weak, the flesh is weak. And I'm thinking, oh yeah. Okay. So some, we want to do the right thing. Sometimes we get weak and we get lazy and we don't. And so in this case, was he saying like, be on guard, be on watch, be aware of what's happening around you. That's yeah, an interesting phrase. I mean, there's that image of, you know, guards in the night watching over the city that, that, that kind of, you know, be on watch. Um, but it's, there's almost layers of things going on. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, Jesus knows there's a threat, like at the end, yeah, hey, hey, people are coming to get me. Mm-hmm. So kind of watch out for that. So there's that like very literal thing, but there's also a sense of when he's talking about the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, like be on watch for your own sin. Yep. There's like be on watch for Like there's, even just the image of like when we're praying for someone else, like there's a certain sense of like vigilant watching over another person as you do that. Like there's there's well, there's, there's a lot to tease out there of why that image might be. Yep. I noticed in the um, the way Jesus addressed God, he said, "My Father." Now that's pretty standard language from Jesus when he's talking about God, but there's something really poignant about it in this moment um, because it's it's a very trusting kind of way of referring to God. It's an acknowledgement that God is for him and has good things for him, even when he's saying, I I, I don't want the thing that's in front of me, or I, I fear the thing that's in front of me. Um, he's saying, my father, to, to God, and trusting him in the hardest moments, uh, because he knows he's, he's a good father. Uh, another observation in verse 39 is he refers to what he's about to face as a cup. So Clayton here in a moment is going to give us some of the Old Testament references, but this is definitely pulling some imagery out of the Old Testament. The way I would say it is, 
we would say nowadays, I'm about to open up a can. <laughs> God didn't open up a can. He poured out cups. What are some of the references? Yeah, playing? so if you, a lot of them are in the prophets. So Jeremiah 25 references uh, the, the cup of God's wrath. Uh, Isaiah 51, 22 is in here, and then Ezekiel 23. But there's, there's more than that. Um, it's very common when the prophets are talking about God punishing uh, maybe one of the nations that attacked Israel, but even Israel uh, themselves saying, you're going to drink the cup of my wrath. You're going to drink the cup of my anger. And so it's saying, if you deserve a punishment, this is this is your punishment. You're going to drink this. Yeah, I want to go back to the the watching question that Nikki asked, because I think it is very natural and obvious, but then I think Jesus spins it. So when he says watch with me for an hour, like I do think they're just going to a public place and Jesus wants them to watch like security. Like we're going to go to this garden and I'm going to pray, sit here, don't fall asleep because you're on guard. Then in verse 41, he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. It's like he's taking a very natural, normal thing in their everyday life and he's applying it to spiritual realities. You need to be alert. Can't just be falling asleep all the time. You have to pay attention and be on guard because there is such, in the spiritual world, there is temptation. Uh, And, by the way, just because you're willing inside doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you don't have to wrestle with the fact that your body and your flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. And so I I think Jesus does a clever thing here in verse 41, spinning what is, at least that's how I read it, is when they first go to the garden, it's just, I need you to go with me and I need you to watch out. I'm observing the fact that they're in a garden. So, you know, garden imagery, there's always just a part of you that's like, I know, I remember the first garden, right? Um, Jesus is facing a temptation here. There's no, there's no devil figure, right? Um, but if you remember at the beginning of the book of Matthew, we talked about how uh, Satan came along and essentially said, why don't you get to your kingdom the easy way? Why don't you, why don't you take a shortcut? And uh, it said when Jesus resisted that temptation that uh, the devil was waiting for another time, an opportune time to do it. Now, it doesn't say that this is what Satan was doing here, but it's clear that Jesus is wrestling with, am I really going to go through with this? I've, I've I've had my face towards this cross all this time, but now here at the final moment, in a sense, I could say I'm in or I'm out. And, and so he's, continuing to say, I'm going to do what the father wants. I'm going to do what the plan is. I'm going to do what will actually, it will actually take to save people. And I'm not going to take the shortcut. And, and it happens in a garden. And so there's something about this moment that is the culmination of all of human history to say, will someone actually submit to the will of God, even though it's going to be difficult? And Jesus does it. And so there, there's something um, about the scenery that actually tells you some of the meaning of it too. The Passion of the Christ movie. When did that come out? It's been a long time now. Oh, it's Is that been like twenty five years old now. It's it's about it's about that much. Anyway, the the Passion of the Christ movie plays on that image strongly, right? Serpent in the garden, yeah, mm-hmm. and then serpent in the garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, what do you imagine when you imagine the Garden of Gethsemane? Like, what does it look like in your mind's eye? Uh, well, have have any of you been to Israel? I have not. I have not. Okay, so mm-hmm. none of us have. So it's all it's all imagination. I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned Passion of the Christ because I think that's what I think of. It's a very dark, gray, dim setting. Um, With a lot of blue. Yeah, 
with a lot of blue. No, like <laughs> um, exactly. Just to put the blue light on. Um, no, that's I. I look at it. Look at it as a very dark and sorrowful setting. I don't know if that's what it was, but yeah, I I have no idea. I mean, in my mind's eye, I see. You know, spaced out trees. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not spaced out, like zoned out. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, there's there's trees here and there, kind of rows of trees. And the, you know, I, it's all it's all storybook Bible stuff, right? Like, I'm just looking at kids' books and Jesus is there by a tree and he's, he's lying on the ground kind of thing. But I don't know. I'm not, I've not been there. I've not even seen a picture. Yeah, I haven't even seen it. Now, now that I think about it, I've never seen a picture, too. Everybody go find a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Someone's going to send us. Someone's going to send us something. Hey, if you have, if you were not from a book, if you were actually in Israel and you took a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane, you can send it to us at... Podcast at BibleSavvy.com. All right. I see like a park scene. Like like a yeah. more cultivated kind of park scene. Yeah, yeah. And there's always whenever I imagine like this, someone jogging by, you know, no, not like, not like Central Park, park benches, not like hot yeah. Dog and, uh, no, but and every time I imagine the disciples sleeping, I imagine them all with their backs to a very a large tree. tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like resting against a tree and falling asleep. Yeah, I see like that they're too. all like trying to do what Jesus asked them to do by keeping watch to make sure no one's coming. But they just slowly drift off. Yeah. That's how I that's how I imagine it. Yeah, it's a good it's good. Uh, I've got one more observation here. Um it, it's a fairly straightforward one, but Jesus' friends fail him. And and I think I think it's worth noting sometimes that the 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 things that happen to us that hurt us also happen to Jesus. So when we have friends that let us down or people who don't follow through on things or don't understand how hard it is for us and they can't they can't enter into our grief and our pain when we need them to be there for us. That happened to Jesus. And in his darkest moment, he, he just had God. He didn't, he didn't have his friends that were there. All right, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. We're going to start with meditation this time. And I, I'd actually want to kind of go off of uh, Eric's, you know, more lighthearted question of kind of how do you imagine this and, and do a, a type of meditation that is often good for stories, for narratives in the Bible. And it's actually to spend some time and imagine what it would be like to be in the scene. Sometimes it helps to sort of pick the perspective of one of the people who's in the story. So the disciples, although that could be, you know, not very much because you're asleep. Um, or the perspective of Jesus of saying, if you were there in their shoes, what would you see? What would you feel? What would you what would you hear? What would you, uh, you know, sense in different ways? And how, what emotions might you be experiencing as you go through this? Hey, can I help everyone imagine it just a little bit? There's, it tells us there's three of them with Jesus. There's Peter and then the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John. So when you're imagining this scene, there's only four characters to choose. Yeah. So we're going to give you 45 seconds, but you may want to take a little bit longer because it takes some time to kind of get into this and imagine what it would be like to be there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane.
All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. What message do you guys get out of this? My message is to watch and pray persistently for yourself and others. My message is going to be the second half of that same verse. The spirit, I'm just going to take it straight from the Bible text. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Those two things are always true. My message is that Jesus is really human, even more than we are. Even more than we are. What I, what I mean by that is he's human enough to be overwhelmed and feel sorrow, uh, maybe even more than we do, because in some ways he's, he's bearing more than, than any of us ever have. But he's also more human than us in that he did what humans were meant to do, which is say, I'm going to submit to the will of God. I'm going to do what, what God wants instead of what my, my flesh wants. All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. My application for my message, which is watch and pray persistently for yourself and others, would be uh, to be aware of what it is that you're going through, what you're struggling with. Uh, be aware of your sinful nature and actively bring it before God in prayer and dependence. I think the thing with the disciples falling asleep was they took a very passive approach to what they were doing. And in this case, when you're keeping watch and you're being on guard and you're being aware of your life and your circumstances, it's actively bringing those to, to, to God and dependence for yourself, but also for other people. Um, so like you said, Clayton, when you have the opportunity to pray for people, uh, the weight that that carries, the way that you get to come around them and support them, not only through prayer, but also in tangible, uh, you know, very like, I'm going to come alongside you type ways. Um, that's a really, it's a really beautiful thing. Uh, my application is to try to be aware of and be okay living in the tension of the fact that the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And for some reason, my mind now is going to the Apostle Paul, who says, I don't understand myself. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So these things are true at the same time. And we have to be aware of the fact that sometimes our fleshly weakness we give into that, it can cause us to do things that deep down inside we don't want to do. And so to be aware of both of those, both of those things, that tension is real. And uh, so to just try to be aware of that so that when you're in the moment, when you're in that moment where your flesh is trying to pull you in one direction, the, the, the spirit side of you that wants to honor God and do things God's way that you don't want the only voice you're hearing to be the the voice of your flesh saying, give into this. So my application, uh, based on the message that Jesus is really human, even more so than we are, um, is to trust him with our real human experience. Um, that when we feel, it, it, the reality is some of the things that, uh, you know, Nikki and Eric, what you guys were talking about, like to pray well and to resist your flesh, like some of that, what helps with it is to know Jesus understands the pressures of those things and the difficulty of those things. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say, all right, Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard for me to watch and pray right now. It's really hard for me to not give in to the, the, the part of me that wants to not do God's will. And, and to say, Jesus, I, I'm telling you this, not just because you're kind of the boss and whatever, but like, because you understand, because mm -hmm. you're really human and you've been there and you've overcome it. But it's uh, Hebrews talks about we've got a high priest who's sympathetic. He understands our weakness because he's been tempted in all the ways we have. And so to have Jesus be really human um, frees us up to just be honest about those things. 
Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.